And yet, we continue in that worship. That's the blessing of Lord's Day. Providentially, we get to continue in God's Word and pick up our study in Romans. So I invite you to do that. Grab your Bible. Turn to Romans 1. If you are a visitor, again, I just join with the men. A warm welcome again to you. Please, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, just look right in front of you, in the rack in front of you. Grab one, follow along with us. We're going to pick it up in verse 24, right where we left off. I'm going to read the passage then pray, and then we'll return to our study. Romans 1, verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, That those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Let's pray. Our Lord and Father, God, we come before this text, this passage that we have started already and we continue in today, and just simply ask that your living word would be powerful today, confronting sin and unrighteousness, confronting falsity and lies. Lord, we pray that this word, your word, the inspired word from you, would arrest our hearts, Lord, and cause each of us, whatever our stead is today, to turn to you, the one true living God. In Christ's name we beg and pray. Amen. Look three times, verse 24, 26, 28, God gave them up. Paradidomine. We talked about that word last time. That's a judicial giving up, to give up to justice. We covered this judgment of God whereby he hands humanity over to humanity. Remember last week we started looking at history. History only confirms this judicial reality. Remember this? The history of the world is the judgment of the world. And that's so true. From ancient savages consuming, cannibalizing each other, to the modern world at war with itself. Sin begetting sin. Judgment lived out in nations, in cultures, in groups, and in people. Each life, this text tells us, given over. History's testimony is each of our testimony, is it not? And it's like the testimony you've heard already. Is that not true? From straying to what, did she say? Sin. One step after the other in that former life being given over. That was the testimony. And this has always been the case with mankind. And the Bible teaches and shows us that. 
Recall the repeated Old Testament evidence. We looked at Judges and Kings, Psalms, Prophets over and over again. And we commented that what is clear in the Bible in those passages, in many passages, is this. Really two things. This given over is an act of judgment by God. That's what it is. It's not a, a passive letting go. It's an active giving over. Yes, he lets go in one sense, but he lets go with active hands, giving a push, if you will, like a judge handing over the criminal to punishment, actively sentencing him with gavel down. And secondly, the judgment is that we are left to what? Ourselves. That's the jail cell. The incarceration is self. Self. This is the result and consequence. I'm handing you over to yourself. Now, the tragic irony here is this is precisely what humanity wants. Is that not true? This is what humanity wants, to be free to myself. Lost humanity wandering around with their feeble protests of just give me more of me. And when they suppress the truth about God, their creator, when they live as if God has no claims on their life, and how many live that way? Living as if God has no claims on their life. When they abandon him, God then acts. He renders judgment and gives rebellious humanity just what their heart craves. He gives them up to themselves. As we began last week to see here in Romans 1, he does that in three ways. Three dimensions of the giving up. Body, heart, and mind. Last week we covered the body, so let's... Just a quick word or two about this to remind ourselves. The dishonoring of their bodies. Look at verse 24. The dishonoring of their bodies. We covered this last week. So just a brief reminder here. God gave them up, verse 24, to what? To the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And what does that mean? Well, the foundation of this sentencing is given. Look at verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. This is, we said, beloved, last week, the great lie. It's the great stream that is flowing under all humanity that we keep dipping our cups into. The great lie, the great exchange, rejection of creator and looking downwards to created. This is what humanity does. They exchange the truth about God for a lie. This is how our bodies are dishonored. Bowing down in the wrong direction. We reject our maker. We swap truth for a lie. And thus bow down to what is low and what is false. And in doing that, we claim to be wise. Do we not? And look at verse 22. Claiming to be wise. This is from a couple weeks ago. They became fools. That's what happens. When we bow that way, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Look at this. For images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and what? Creeping things. This is dishonoring the body. It's idolatry and it's the wrath of God revealed. This is what happens when God gives up. Idolatrous worship, body dishonored. In place of creator worship, mankind turns to creation worship. 
That was our first point of the body. Second, dishonorable passions. Let's just pick it up where we left off. Dishonorable passions. Verse 26. For this reason, so in other words, in light of this great lie, this great exchange, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Look at it. To those suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, God gave them up to the dishonoring of their bodies and God gave them up to dishonorable passions. The word passion there is from pathos, means an emotion or an affection. It's a very intense word. And beloved, we understand how strong emotion and affection are, right? I think we all know this. We know passion. And if we really do know passion and emotion, we also know how unstable they are, don't we? They're very unstable. Passion and emotion are not the things we want guiding us, right? We don't want those things guiding us. Passion and emotion make a terrible compass. Listen, even when they are honorable, you might say, well, sure, but I'm just a passionate person with honorable passions. Listen, ask Mama Bear and the vigilante if honorable passions get them in good places, right? That's when it's honorable. Well, what of dishonorable passion? What happens not only when passion guides us, but when that passion is dishonorable? What happens? What God's word tells us. And this is fundamental. So all this making clear, and God's word will do this now, that there are passions that in their dishonor are also unnatural. In other words, hear the word, they are not as creator designed. Church, when men and women suppress the truth and unrighteousness, God gives them up. God gives them over to dishonorable passions. That means, see it again, there is an exchange. This is so straightforward. Don't be clouded by what's out there. This is very clear. Let's look at the text. End of verse 26. Paul says, women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. It cannot be clearer. Women have natural relations. Just look at the text. Let's just be zeroed in on the text. Women have natural relations. Two word root meanings we're going to dig into. And we need to be clear on number one. Look at it. Natural, that word points to creation. We read that this morning, right? Design, intent. That's what this word means. It points to as creator design. So clear. Two, relations. Relations. So natural designed created relations. Relations refers actually to sexual relations. Not all translations bring this out. However, if you have an NIV or a Holman Christian standard, it's right there. You see it. It says sexual relations and it rightly renders it that way. So there is a natural, designed, sexual relationship that women exchange for what? Look carefully, back to verse 26. They exchange what's natural for what? That which is contrary to nature. That is against nature, against design. Now we're going to come back to that. Further, and we need to do this first, look at verse 27. This is not just a woman thing. This is true of men too. And this makes sense with all humanity in view. Men, likewise, 
in unrighteousness were given over to this exchange. In fact, the text even articulates. Let's have our hand held by the text here. Look at this. Look at what it's going to do. The text articulates what's natural for men. As if we don't already know what the text does. Look at verse 27. Men gave up natural relations. And what is that? With women. That's natural. Men too gave up natural sexual relations. So clear. Brothers and sisters, listen, we hardly need to outline all manner and all the manners of dishonorable passions here. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. The text cannot be more precise in its words. It's just crystal clear. What we simply need to do is look at the text as it is and affirm two things that are just screaming off the page, and they are this. Number one, there are, yes, there are, definitive statement, there are natural sexual relations for man and woman. Yes, we can define that. And that would be between one man and one woman who are joined together as one husband and one wife in marriage. We read that, of course, earlier, Genesis 2.24. One man and one woman are one husband and one wife to become one. They are one flesh and engage in sexual relations. Listen, naturally and only with each other. That's it. Not only is it the natural way, it's the only way. The Bible gives none other. Listen, church, listen, friends. This is not just stuff your parents and grandparents believed. Maybe you have that today. That's antiquated stuff. My grandparents believed all that. It's a modern world, don't you know? This truth of what is natural sexual makeup and relationship is affirmed in two spots even further. God's word is bedrock and solid, but even more. One, nature, nature. Yes, nature, body, anatomy confirms this truth. You ask any ultrasound technician if it's clear what kind of what type, what gender is forming in the womb? I mean, of course, body blockages notwithstanding. you got an arm here blocking that. It's clear, and this is what parents want to know. Is it a boy or a girl? Because it's clear from the womb. You don't need to come out and start behaving in a particular way. The one who created made it clear. One imagines, do this with me, do this. One imagines an architect designing a home and he's designed the home he's put all his effort into designing the home and it's a home and he's got nice carpet in there so the inhabitants that he's designed it for come in they're like you know this carpet feels like grass i actually think this is a park can we order in a fountain and what about a park bench here and you know what let's get some seagulls flying around inside it is absurdity but that's what we do today do we not It's absurd. It's absurd. But that's what we do. This is the truth. What is natural sexual relations? Don't get carried away with those that want to make it a park when it's a house. Secondly, that's nature. History. History affirms this truth. You know, you won't hear this, certainly in schools. And you won't hear this today. Do you know that throughout history... Natural sexual relations have been what has been upheld as a society standard. And do you know that unnatural sexual relations have been condoned? You will not hear that, but it is absolutely true. 
They can revise history all they want. History tells us and confirms with us. And by the way, shows us that the most wicked cultures are the ones that were given over to this. History doesn't say, you know, look at these as model cultures. Look at what those Greeks and Romans didn't know. It condones it. In harmonious unity, then, nature, history, and ultimately the word of our creator God has offered us no other natural sexual relationship. That's one affirmation. Let's look at two now in God's word. And this is the natural logical implication flowing from the first. If the first is that there are natural sexual relations for man and woman, two then, logical inference, any other sexual relations are unnatural and wrong. In fact, let's call it what the Bible does, wrong, dishonorable, and sinful. So we must be clear as our creator is clear. We must be clear. Why? Because we're just a conservative church, right? That's why we want to be clear. We're just a bunch of conservatives that want it back to the old. No. Uh, We're just old school, right? We're old-fashioned. Is that why we want to be clear? We want to get back to the way that it was and maybe some things in society. We're we're just old school at Westmont. No, absolutely not. Any other relations other than the natural sexual relations between a married man and a married woman are wrong and sinful because the one who created male and female and all sexuality and all relationships has determined that, defined it, and has said so. Period. Creator has spoken, and listen to me, beloved. He hasn't just spoken here. He has spoken about this again and again and again. Turn to Leviticus 18. This is indeed the law, the law of God. Given at a time for a people, but look at the context, as all of God's law in a fallen world is. Look at, let's just open up with these verses, 1 to 4 and 18. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. And here's the implication then You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I'm bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. Do you see this? I delivered you out of that. I'm sending you to a place where they're going to do something different. Don't do as they do. This kind of blows up cultural relevance, doesn't it? You shall follow my rules, not theirs, and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a poor person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. What's, before we go on here in this chapter, what's the logical inference here? You're going to live by a set of rules, lo and behold, Egypt doesn't like, Canaan doesn't know, but you do them. In other words, don't let the Egyptians and the Canaanites influence the way you think about sexual relations, because they've got it wrong, and they're not living by my standard. What's the application for us today? It speaks for itself, doesn't it? Don't let outside dictate What's on God's inside? And then this, and this should be no surprise, verse 19. You shall not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she's in her menstrual uncleanness. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife and so make yourself unclean with her. That's clear. 21. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, 
And so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is what? An abomination. And you shall not lie with any animal and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. And then this, it is perversion. Chapter 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male, as with a woman, both of them have committed what? An abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. Just an Old Testament thing? Is that just something that was ancient truth? Right? You'll hear that. Oh, let's not. Jason, don't get so carried away with the Old Testament. We have the new. Yeah, we do have the new. Let's turn there. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Is there concert with Leviticus 18 and 20? Is there concert with the law? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Paul, who are the unrighteous? Can you define the unrighteous for me? Those that will not be in the kingdom. Those that will not be in heaven. What, do, what kind of life? What, what is their practice? Their practice in life. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 1, first chapter. Maybe there's something different. You know, people say, well, well, the pastorals came later. It's later, right? Maybe Paul's changed his tune. I mean, you know, Paul always talking about these hard things. Maybe he's changed his tune. Let's see, 1 Timothy 1, first chapter of his first letter to Timothy. Verse 8, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for who? The lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is, note this, beloved, contrary to sound doctrine. There it is again. Against the unnatural, no surprise, is also contrary to sound doctrine. We could go on. The word of God is absolutely clear, is it not, about dishonorable passions? I pray you see it. It's absolutely clear. It's clear. Back to Romans. I pray you're taking that clarity with you. One last comment, by the way, on dishonorable passions. It's found at the end of verse 27. Look at the end of verse 27 with me. It says this. Men not only consumed with passion for one another, men not only committing shameless acts with men, but also receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Do you see that? This is exactly what we have been tracking with, what we've been seeing in this passage. This is sin that it's its own judgment. As the body, so to the heart. Here, sexual immorality also is its own punishment. When we sin sexually, and by the way, we saw this in other places, and that's all manner 
of sexual immorality, right? All manner, no matter the stripe, when we sin sexually, when we sin by exchanging natural relations for those contrary to nature, we receive in ourselves our due penalty. Westman, I could quote at this moment, reams of studies and give you lots of figures. I could have done that. I could give you lots of info and studies and first-hand testimonies that are just so inconvenient for the culture today. Just want to shoo-shoo that away. Yeah, yeah, I know, but there's something else going on. Right? Lots of it coming out now. I could have done that. Taken about six minutes and walk you through that. I could have, but it's unnecessary. All we need to do is consider the most obvious facts that demonstrate the due penalty in this sin is in themselves. Consider with me the facts. With dishonorable passions, procreation is impossible. Marriages in dishonorable passions are deficient. They either have two helpmates or two heads. As a result, one half of the architect's design is always missing. You can't make that up. In dishonorable passions, healthy body tissue is cut off. Healthy body tissue is cut off. More. While synthetic unnatural hormones are what? Injected with disastrous side effects that you'll never hear about. No need to continue. This judgment, as is God's word in everything, is self-evident. One more domain in this text we'll see given up. The body, the heart, finally, the debased mind. Let's continue in verse 28. And since they don't see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. God gave them up to a debased mind, which is, God's word explains it, to do what ought not to be done. So there's an oughtness. We've talked about this a lot recently, West Now. Creator designed his creation with an oughtness. This is how you ought to live. This is how I design you to live. But with a debased mind, there's a brokenness. And you're no longer living as you ought. In fact, it makes sense. When you look at the word there, debased, here's the sense behind it. It refers to a mind that does not stand the test. One imagines the inventor submitting it, you know, those machines you'll see often and they're doing something a thousand times to prove the testness. Well, it doesn't stand the test with a debased mind. It's not living as it ought. In other words, as minds should be, as minds ought to be, this one given over is not. And that's precisely what it does. Such a mind does what, it, what ought not to be done. That's what it does. And this is a simple closing picture of judgment here in Romans 1. The truth suppressor is given over by God to a debased mind. As such, that man, that woman, no longer thinks and does as he or she ought. The mind is impaired and broken. This is not mental illness, by the way. This is not mental illness. This is mental judgment. As God gives them up. This is one with all their faculties physically. In other words, you may not even know. They walk and talk like most human beings. You'd never know physically. 
but none of their mental faculties are working right spiritually. That's because there's spiritual cerebral bankruptcy, and fully, by the way. In fact, the fullness of these vices, these debasements, is the point of this passage. Look at verse 29. They were filled with all manner of, catch the drift of that. Were they sprinkled with a little bit of debasements? No. They were filled with all manner of. Look at the middle of verse. They're full of. Look at the language. This is complete debasement. So all that to say, in what follows, Paul will list, and it's a whole long list of debasements. In fact, there are 21 of them, if you are counting. 21 debasements. That's the longest such list, the longest vice list in the New Testament. We've already read from others this morning in 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy, but this one is by far the longest. Now, we will look at each of them. We'll kind of hop from one to one, but we're not going to linger. And not just because of time, by the way, because that's not the point of Paul bringing them up. He doesn't bring them up this way to say, okay, why don't you just go and drill in deep and look at all corners of malice? No, there's other places for that. The point Paul is making here is not one of depth, but breadth. The point God's word is communicating is that this is how wide, this is how expansive the debasement of the mind is when humanity is given over. You see that? That's the point, is the scope. So let's not miss this. Paul catalogs all these debasements to show how thorough, how replete the debasement is when God gives humanity up to a debased mind. With that, it's not a sentence of mild impairment. This is not a a temporary, just a few days of house arrest. This is a complete lack of spiritual cognition. This is spiritual mental inability, a breakdown in every area. So let's look at them. We've already read them. We're just going to walk through them. And by the way, if you were here a couple Wednesdays ago, what was the first thing our brother said when he read this list? He said, I see this every day. As he's on the beat, he sees this every day and fully. I believe he actually even said, I mean, he could, there's so much more you could say to a list like this. And we think, wow, there's 21. Mankind, by the way, with that, mankind, when you look at this list, what does mankind want to do in their rebellion and their suppression? They want to just slap disorder onto every one of these. Disorder, disorder, and give it a tidy label and make it all go away. But it's no less the product of a debased mind. In fact, all the more it's shown. So let's engage in a brief survey and brief comment with each one. 29. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is the best word to describe the worship of self. It's God rejection. That's what unrighteousness is. It's not your standard God, it's mine. Next, it's evil. In Greek, that word there, it means more than badness. It's kind of set against goodness. It's it's more than badness. Next is covetousness. Again, looking into the original is helpful here. This is, now listen to this, this is the love of having. You know that, don't you? The love of having. I just want to have and have and have. That's what that word is. Next is malice. Theodoret of Cyrus said this. This is very helpful. He said, this is the turn of the soul to the worse. That's what malice is. Those given up to a debased mind, they, we continue, verse 29, are full of envy. Now, let's be clear about this here especially in these vice lists. This is not looking at another, 
and being moved to be like them. That's not what this is at all. Get that out of our minds. That could be virtuous, right? I look at another and aspire, so oh, I wish I was like them. and want to. No, 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 no. There's, there, could, there could be some virtue. This is not that at all. This is to look at another and listen to resent what you see. And even more biblically, it's actually to wish ill on them. That's what you're feeling. They're doing so well. I resent it. I hope they come down. I think we, we know that. Next, murder. We only need to be reminded of what Jesus said here with murder before we just think of courtrooms and pistols and uh, PIs and all of that. Matthew 5, 21. Listen, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Of course, everyone can just imagine, yeah, that's right, I'm not taking a life. I'm not taking a life physically, I'm not doing that. But I say to you that everyone says Jesus, everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Everyone who's angry with his brother murders his brother. Next, strife. This is contention born from the desire to be one up on others. This means the relationship's not going well because you just want to one up each other and there's strife. Next, deceit. This is lying. It's the order of the day, isn't it? Crafty, manipulative cunning, listen, with an intent to hide. Next, maliciousness. Aristotle once gave this word a fitting picture. He said, maliciousness is the spirit which always supposes the worst about other people. This is a debased mind. Next, last one in verse 29, they are gossips. They are gossips. What a word behind this word. It's whisperers. We all know the whisperer, don't we? It's exactly what it means. This is, here it is, let's be precise as the Bible is, talk that is not in front of someone's face. The whisperer would never do that. Never in front of their face, but talk in the corner, whispering with an intent to tear down the character of another. That's what gossip is. That's what a whisperer does. Next, slanderers, verse 30. This is similar to gossip's. But slandering, if we could say something, if we're trying to say something, it's done in the open. It's evil and heinous, but they're doing it in the open. They throw it on social media, and they want to make sure everyone sees it. Next, haters of God. This is the posture that sees God. Listen. The posture that sees God as the barrier to one's pleasure, and quite frankly, would rather that God just be out of the picture. You know people like that? You know, God is just so limiting. I'd rather you be done with God. Next, insolent. This is pride. Pride that forgets one is created, not creator. Next, haughty. With pride, this is arrogance. By the way, this is who God resists, the haughty, the proudful. James 4, 6, God opposes who? The proud. But he gives grace to the humble. That's taken, by the way, from Proverbs 3, 34, old and new. Next, boastful. This is the braggart. The sense here, this is helpful, the spirit that pretends to have what it doesn't. You know the braggart, right? In words and act, pretends to have, pretends to be able to do what it cannot do. Inventors of evil, it speaks for itself almost. This is the one who seeks out new and exciting ways to sin because he's just simply bored with the old ones, right? Speaks for itself. Next, disobedient to parents. You know, we do need to pause for at least a few more seconds on this one. 
I just don't want us to miss this in the Word of God. Because we have now dropped the standard for children to say, well, children are just disobedient. That's just how they are. And we come up with very tidy, fun things like terrible twos and, you know, those troubled teens. No. No. That's man's standard of children. Children are not to be disobedient. It's not because they have a disorder, not they have a bent, unless you want to say, yeah, they're sinners by nature. For sure they are that. Disobedient to parents. There's no tolerance for it in God's word. You could go into all manner of the law like we did in Exodus. Foolish. Look at it. The idea here is the one who cannot learn the lesson of experience. That's a fool. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Faithless. Here's your picture. The breaker of agreements. The breaker of agreements. The one with no integrity. The one you, you, you hear say this and you know, I can't trust you for that to happen. Heartless. Literally, the word is to have no heart. This is no natural affection. The sense here is cold. And finally, ruthless. This is the absence of mercy. That's debasement summed up, we could say. On that, mercifully, God's word stops there. Yet evil debasements abound. I do believe that this list resonates with us because if for no other reason, it's all around us. Is that not true? Outside of us, inside of us at times, and that's because the truth of such widespread debasement is something we cannot suppress. We can't suppress the effects of this. You can suppress truth, but you can't suppress the effects of denying truth. And that is why, instead of embracing these consequences, instead of denouncing them, instead of repenting and calling it finally for what it is, mankind does what? Look at verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree. See that? They know it. And we'll get into this in chapter 2. They know it. That those who practice such things deserve to die. They know the sin. They know the penalty. Even though they know it, here's what they do instead. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Mankind in judgment under God's wrath when given over. Look at the picture. Keep marching. They just keep marching toward oblivion. And as they do, they give approval to others on that road, to others doing evil. I've mentioned medical assistance in dying quite a bit because it's just like a toxic wildfire. It's a few days ago. This is the Peterborough paper. I just want to read this to you. And I pray this is helpful as we are clear on how debased minds are around us all the time. The headline says, Hospice Peterborough to create new assisted dying plan. Hospice Peterborough. Subheading says, The practice once shunned in the industry is gaining a foothold throughout the province. A few highlights. Hospice Peterborough announced Thursday it will pursue in its demonstrated collaborative community approach a plan that would permit medically assisted dying inside its London Street facility. More, there had been some community pressure to permit the process in-house, but in moving toward a new policy that would allow it, Hospice Peterborough, listen to this, is going against current policy published by the Canadian Hospice Palliative Care Association in the fall of 1970? 2019. Do you get that? They have a policy in-house with their governing body that says, don't do that. Don't murder in your facility. And now they're considering murder in their facility. Three years ago, that body wrote, listen, this is the governing body in 2019. 
Hospice palliative care sees dying as a normal part of life and helps people to live and die well. Hospice palliative care does not seek to hasten death or intentionally end life. If you're reading this, you'd be like, okay, what's, what's the problem? This should be done, right? You have your own governing documents. And don't miss this toward the end of the article. But there's a very different kind of transition. But a 2021 Ipsos poll showed an overwhelming majority of Canadians support access to Maine. That's what we want. I don't care. You know, listen, I don't care about governing documents at the worldly level. Does that make sense why they don't care about God's word at the highest level? They don't even care about these documents. Kill them. Kill them in the hospice care. Kill them. That's what we want. There they are giving hearty approval to what's evil. An overwhelming majority of Canadians approve it right here in Peterborough, beloved. It should break our heart. This is the debased state of humanity. An overwhelming majority of Canadians support access to MAID. In other words, we know that even though our documents say we shouldn't, we know that really there's a sense that it's wrong, we know, we know, we know, but this is what everyone wants. And here is the caution, the reality check for all of us that we must end with. When we suppress the truth, we always get what we desire. Every time. We will get what we want when we suppress the truth. We get a life where we're handed over to ourselves. And we have to end with this so that we are clear on where it leads. Jesus told a parable of one given over to himself. Jesus said this, There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Give me the share of property that's coming to me, father. Give it to me. He divided his property between them. Now many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country where he prospered abundantly and lived happily ever after. You know that parable? Let me read the text as it is. He gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing. There's desire. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. Fellow humanity, whether we admit it or not, whether we want to or not, we can all relate to that. Can we not? We all have had arteries of the young son. Getting our heart's desire, getting exactly what we lusted after, and then feeding on what? Misery. For some of us, that old road is very familiar. We have scars of that road. The things we had dishonorable passions for, the things we craved, only to have those same things ruin us. And such is the judgment when we're left to ourselves. Indeed, we did live out our own judgments. And We know what it's like to have lived by that, yet by the grace of a loving father to his children, the grace we saw on display right here this morning, we did not remain there. How so? Well, there was another son, of course, not in a parable, but in reality. Not the older one in this well-known story, but the son, the one who was given over 
He too was given over to the evil of others, a very different kind of judgment given over. The father who Romans 8, 32 says, did not spare his own son, same word, same root, same root word here, but gave him up in judgment. That, by the way, is exactly the same judicial sense of giving up that happens to us, but to a very different one. That son did not live out the consequences of his own sin. Instead, he lived what? A perfect life so that he could bear the wrath for our sin in that honorable body with honorable passion and a perfect mind. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And we like to think that we can, right? I like what Jerry said this morning. It's just so true. We must abandon any sense that we have something to bring to our Lord. That's what it means to be in Christ. A complete abandonment of self and all Christ. No man can save his own soul with no iota. Because Christ has done what we can't do, Christian, thus we rejoice. We will rejoice with our sister today. Our reckless living, our time-feeding pigs was not the end. I know you can rejoice with that. You're not still there. But that's some. But I wonder for others of you that are in this room. I wonder if this truth that we've looked at today is truth that you can no longer suppress. I just wonder this morning. You've been fighting hard to suppress the truth, have you not? And I wonder if you're just at a threshold moment right now. And you can't suppress it any longer. I wonder if this is you today, right now, living out your truth suppression and judgment. Is that you? Sure, maybe it's not an actual pigsty. It's likely much more cosmetic than that. But the text asks you, what are you craving after? What are you pursuing? And the begging question is, how is that going for you? How's it going? Are you dishonoring the body? Are your passions dishonorable? What of your mind? How you think? If so, and by the sovereign grace of God, your eyes just opened, and you've come to your senses, God calls you to repent right now. Turn from your life of sin and place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone. Do not spend one other second, another minute being given over to yourself. Repent. Get up. Embrace the truth and walk in newness of life. Exchange the lie for the truth about God. Repent, believe, and listen. Live as you ought to live. Believe on Christ. Let the remaining history of your life be the testimony of a new life. And let this be your testimony and your celebration today. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. That's the state. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. See that? He doesn't say, Look, I did this good thing in the pigsty. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father going to get out 
the belt, the big stick? Is he going to ream him out, chew him out? No. The father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring, by the way, the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Let us do that today. In light of what we have witnessed today, and maybe anew what you realize God has done in your life and continues to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can indeed celebrate Thank you that you have saved us from ourselves. You've saved us from dishonoring our bodies, from passions that are dishonorable, and from a mind debased. Oh God, help us to live in light of that redemption, demonstrating the new creation that we are, new bodies, new hearts, and new minds. Oh God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me? Let us sing this truth.